Hello everyone, here is Daniel Budai with another episode of our Ecom show and today I'm here with Craig Mitchell and uh, he's a launch engineer at Shopify, he's from Canada and I'm really happy to have someone from Shopify today. Uh, I think I will have a lot of interesting questions to him. Hey Craig, it's great to have you here today. Thank you very much, Daniel. It's great to be here. Thanks for the invite. So before we you know, start talking about the deep technical things. Let's start with some uh, personal background because marketing is about people, right? So <sighs> please tell us more about your background. Like uh, what did you do before Shopify? Wow, <laughs> I've done a lot of things. Um, I have a, a uh, I'm an entrepreneur at heart and uh, I'm an educator at heart. So everything I do is all about curiosity most of the time. So a lot of the things people are always like, you've done a lot of things. I'm like, yeah, I'm very curious. So if I want, I'm just going to try something. But uh, I've always been in the tech space and the web space. So I've done a lot of um, graphic design, web design, um, a lot around um, mobile first design strategy, particularly since around 2008, <laughs> when everything came smartphones and yeah. uh, a lot of user experience type stuff. But uh, uh, basically, as soon as I got a modem and a computer, I was on the internet and started figuring out how to use it. So um, it's kind of expanded, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a web tech, I guess, is a, mm -hmm. <laughs> is a good overarching. Yeah. And uh, when did you go to Shopify? When did you start there? I've been at Shopify since 2016. So um, okay. a lot of people would consider me an OG because <laughs> I've been there for six years now. Um, about 95% of the company has started uh, since me. And uh, I originally did start uh, in support and uh, work my way up into the plus organization working uh, with enterprise merchants now. So okay. it's been quite a ride. <laughs> yeah. And uh, how many people Shopify had back in 2016? Oh, back then we were probably around 17 or 1800 people. And I think we're close to 17,000, 18,000 now. So that's like that's a the... panic growth. In huge six year years yeah, yeah. and uh, gotta give credit where credit is due the pandemic helped with that quite a bit because we basically onboarded about three times our yearly volume of merchants during the initial parts of the pandemic when everyone was trying to go online and people were trying to figure out how they're going to make money so that that was a a, a huge uptick for yeah. us um and uh, we we did a lot to try and make it as easy as possible for people to do things like get online at that time. So um, that uh, yeah. that helped us out and yeah pushed us forward. Yeah, let me ask more. Let me ask you uh, about the coronavirus more. So when COVID hit in twenty twenty, early twenty twenty, then what was the first reaction in your team and you know by Shopify? Well. Uh, at that time, I was actually part of a different team. I was part of what was known as Shopify Local, and I was actually going out into the community and doing events uh, with local merchants, local entrepreneurs, doing one-to-one -one meetings, helping people start and grow businesses. And uh, I actually just got back from doing a talk in Memphis at uh, the paintball seminar down there, a bunch of paintball merchants. And I did a couple of talks and had a booth down there and just came back and everything had just started to ramp up and we weren't really sure what was going to happen. And almost immediately Shopify was like, okay, hey, we're going to stop all in-person activities right now because the CDC yeah. and everything was start starting to warn of this and we wanted to be proactive as possible. So 
we basically pulled everybody home. Like every, everybody go home. We, we, we don't want you to get sick. We don't want any of that. And then it just started happening worldwide. Like people, I, I remember some people were like, really, you guys are stopping your events already. Like everything's good. What's, what's the problem. And then within a week, like everything really started getting bad and everybody else yeah. started canceling. Like I remember Facebook was probably the first big tech company. I remember canceling a big event. And I think it was like two or three days after that we announced that we were canceling all our events. So it was, uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it was a stressful time. It, it was a, a very crazy time. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think we made it through fairly well. There was definitely some speed pumps with the onboarding of uh, so many new merchants and not having mm -hmm. enough support people to deal with it. But uh, uh, I think, uh, I think we did very well on that. Yeah, so this was the first reaction, and when did you or or your managers, let's say, when did they realize that actually this is a huge opportunity? How how conscious was it, or it was more like just a thing that naturally occurred that you know, stores, businesses, they came to Shopify to onboard because everything became yeah. online. Well. Uh I don't think it was an overly conscious effort of, of ours uh, at the beginning anyway. Um, but immediately when people started coming online, particularly to, to offer something like uh, pickup, uh, like local pickup options at the, at their stores, um, we were already working on those features, but hadn't released them yet. And so that okay. we did a major pivot really quickly to push all that out so we could start strategizing and getting people online. And I remember, um, a lot of discussion in the executive level for sure was how do we support these merchants now that are coming on as quickly and as efficiently as possible because we did want people to get up because it, it really was for some people a matter of not quite life or death but the life and death of their business like it, it, yeah. if this doesn't go through their business is going under and unfortunately that did happen to a lot of businesses uh, over the pandemic but uh, a lot of businesses also came out of that. So um, yeah. it's, uh, it, it was a horrible, horrible time, but the, there was a lot of um, a, a lot of good things that, that came out of it. Uh, I, I prefer to look at the silver linings over all the all the bad stuff that happened. So, yeah, I'm aware yeah. of it, but uh, <laughs> let's focus on the good. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, if we can say that the online marketing world and e-commerce world, they you know for for they benefited from the situation uh, absolutely unlike most industries i would say and uh, also i heard this multiple times from multiple sources that the adoption of e-commerce and online purchasing it you know um it, it's speed speeded up like uh oh yeah yeah i think it was uh, somewhere around uh, timelines are so fuzzy over the past couple of years, but uh, in that 2020, it was somewhere around uh, like September, October, November that we had uh, announced because uh, things had started to slightly level off. But basically, we noted that we basically had Black Friday traffic, Black Friday level traffic for like the first six months of the pandemic. Because, yeah, like you said, so many people just turned to online shopping and trying to start stores. And it, it was just it was crazy. Like uh, I definitely spoke to some merchants around that time that they ran out of product. And of course, because supply chain issues were starting to creep up, they were asking questions like, what, what do I do? And like, how do you deal with it? But unfortunately when you know you, you got stuff overseas that you're trying to get here there there's not many options that you have and the big option that unfortunately kind of pushed its way through was let's jack up the price of a shipping container by like 10 grand to ship it out <laughs> like that that hurt a lot of merchants for sure so yeah yeah um so tell us more about what you do exactly at shopify i know you are 
in the Shopify Plus team. Uh, yes. So, so my title is a bit of a, a misnomer because it says engineer, but I am not an engineer by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not a developer myself. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a weird title. I'm, I'm more of a launch consultant. Uh, I work with Plus merchants that are coming onto the platform to help evaluate their tech stacks and basically provide guidance and solutions to get them moving as quickly as possible. Because uh, particularly when you're switching platforms like that, the amount of time and effort that you put into it costs money. So if uh, I can help reduce the time from a six month to a three month, uh, let's, let's do that. We, we realize the, the value of our merchants and the more money you make, the more money we make. So it, yeah. it, it makes sense for us to help you get up and, and running uh, as quickly as possible to start that process. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's a lot of fun and uh, <laughs> there's nothing really standard about it because every merchant's different. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty custom tailored, I guess, much more than regular Shopify. Yeah, because I can talk to a merchant, um, let's say in like the CBD space, um, doing like CBD gummies, and I may have worked with three or four other CBD gummy merchants, but they're all doing their own thing. Like they've got yeah. their their own type of marketing. They're they're hitting their own part of the funnel for their um, audience groups, and it's like, well, what do most people do? Well, when you're in plus and you're working with enterprise merchants, there is no what do most people do. Like it's it's yeah. so across the board because a lot of people use so many external tools to run their businesses. And you know, 15 years ago, it would have been a lot more consistent on what people were doing because there were so many less tools available to people. So uh, that that plays a part uh, today as well. Yeah, I think it's what, I, what do what do you think? What helps in this case? Because I just had a conversation with our team. Uh, like two hours ago and uh, we checked the AOV lifetime value, um, the average days between two orders, churn rate of customers. So we checked all of this data for different clients that we have. And one of the conclusions was that there is no similar similarity between these clients, which kind of sucks. <laughs> so yeah, you're uh, trying to plan. You're like, oh yeah, I can reuse this plan. Oh no, I can't. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm really curious what you think about this, like, uh, then what you can do, uh, like, just be smart or, or what can you do? Well, on it, like you said, the, it, it's going to vary so much. And uh, there's two things that I find uh, that merchants will do that hurt them. Uh, one is they don't really understand fully who their customer is, their, that, the, the customers that they're targeting, or they try to target too many customer groups at the same time. And that can cost you a lot of money and a lot of effort. I, I always tell people, particularly ones that are just starting out, do a lot of research into that first customer avatar. The person that's going to buy the most from you, be the biggest advocate, that's just going to love you the most. Put all your effort into that because, again, they're going to they're gonna promote for you, which is going to save you money. So saturate that and then move on to the next, next demographics. Don't try and hit them all at once because you're – you're overwhelming yourself and you're doing yeah. what I call hunting with a shotgun. Basically. Um, I'm not a hunter myself, but shotgun spray. So yeah, you could go hunting with a shotgun, but you're probably going to bring home, you know, some squirrels and, you know, some little pieces of meat here and there, not enough to feed your family. But when you go hunting, that's what you want. You, you want to take home the big buck and feed your family for a year. Well, same goes with marketing and, and sales. You want to hit that tiny little target and get as much as possible rather than trying to hit all these little targets and bringing in trickles. Um, so that, that's a, a big thing that uh, I see 
people doing that that can cause an issue there. The other issue is, again, focusing on too many of those areas of the statistics and, again, trying to focus on all of them all at once. Well, what's most important? What's what's the biggest thing that you want to focus on? And then hit that really hard and, and focus and work on growth there. Once you've got that figured out and it's working, start working on the next thing. Again, trying to do it all and all at once causes a lot of confusion. Things start getting missed. And particularly when you've got one, two, three people working rather than a team of 15 or 20, uh, those smaller businesses, even those enterprise businesses, I've worked with like five, six people teams. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it can get overwhelming quickly. So, you know, ha have a good focus, really focus on that, that uh, first customer avatar, because even 20 years ago, I wouldn't have suggested that's going to be such a big thing because 20 years ago, you could have put an ad on the TV and the radio and, and your local newspaper, and you would have gotten a ton of activity from that. Yeah. These days, you really have to do that laser focus. Uh, it's just the way shopping has changed, the way there's now a billion more websites and distractions and apps pulling for our attention. The fact that we now have attention spans less than goldfish. Like there's just all these things over the past couple of decades that have contributed to the way that we shop and act and behave online now. And a lot of people are still stuck in that older mindset of if you build it, they will come. And it's just such a, a 180 from that, that, people need yeah. to, to change their perspectives and thinking. Yeah, yeah, focus is crucial and simplicity always wins. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I just heard this from Gary Vee today that uh, simplicity always wins, complexity makes things worse, basically. That was the takeaway and I can- uh, And that's really something Shopify has always kind of tried for. And mm -hmm. sometimes we get a little crap uh, from people. We, we, we kind of develop on the 80-20 rule. If 80% of our merchants are going to use a feature, we're going to try and include that in the core platform. What we don't want is we don't want to become Microsoft Word. 10,000 features just bloating the application. Like anybody that's used Word on a full-time basis knows it can be incredibly problematic. Yeah, Half the features aren't even used. So why are they there bloating things down? So we're trying to avoid that. And then the, the, the app ecosystem will kind of help fill all those needs for the rest of those people. And particularly over the last couple of years, you can see us changing to adapt to that as well um, with the adding of things like subscription, increasing the capabilities of our API, um, offering the new headless solutions. Like these are all things that over the couple of years previous, we saw merchants really asking for and starting to adopt and take ahead of, and we looked at it and like, okay, hey, this is going to be the future and we need to be a part of that. And that's mm -hmm. something Shopify, I feel, has always done. Um, as long as I've been here is focusing on what's coming next and what's going to help our merchants grow and consistently scale for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. Actually, one thing I wanted to ask, because uh, nowadays Shopify is so mainstream, you know, let's be honest, I think this is the most popular e-commerce platform nowadays and the fastest growing in the past five years, maybe even more. Currently, um, yeah. But we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't uh, forget that Shopify also has a focus. And since it's so mainstream now, it's easy to, you know, forget what's that focus. So I'm just really cu curious what you think, what was the main focus? Who is the core audience for Shopify and who is not? Uh, the core audience for, for Shopify would definitely be merchants that want to do things themselves. So mm -hmm. a lot of people com compare us to Amazon, but Amazon is a marketplace. Um, 
And Amazon kind of has a different focus. They, they focus specifically on the customer making the purchase, whereas Shopify, our focus is on the merchant and allowing okay. you to do what you want for your brand and for your, uh, for, for your customers. So to help you grow your brand and, and everything under your own terms. And, and that's a, a big shift for a lot of people as well. Um, a lot of brands have only sold ever on something like Amazon or another marketplace like eBay or something. And now they've gotten to that point where they're starting to see those marketplaces take more from them than, than they're getting in the sales in terms of fees or competition direct from them. And the, the ability to drive people to your own stores and build your own brand and have what you want without that extra um, competition, uh, I've worked with a lot of small people, particularly like builders that do stuff on like Etsy. And they'll notice a lot that the, they'll see lots of traffic on their page, but people getting buying elsewhere. And that's happened to me on Etsy. I'll go check out some, something from a friend that's just, I'm going to check it out. And then I end up like four merchants down because of the the little things that they post all over. And oh, that's cool. I just want to see that. And that's, yeah. that's a problem because that attention span thing and, and everything else now you might have bought that first product if it had been on that person's own website and didn't distract you into something else. That's that's a possibility, but um, it, it's it's harder to build build your own brand for sure. But that's what we're trying to do, and we're trying to allow you to do that in the easiest way possible, and and give you the resources necessary to to be able to do that. Yeah, we had multiple guests in this podcast. Who most of them they sell on Shopify or you know. Um, an e-commerce platform, but uh, we also had Amazon sellers. We had one Etsy seller a few episodes ago, and it's always really interesting to see when they are on multiple platforms like Amazon, Etsy, maybe retail and a Shopify brand and how they compare these. And there are pros and cons. Um, but personally, I think having your own brand on Shopify or your own e-commerce platform and domain, that's super valuable. and. Uh, it's way safer and more stable than being on Amazon or Etsy on, on a platform. Yeah, but it doesn't mean you can't also be on there because that's also yeah. something that Shopify is doing is the Omni channel because uh, I, I still work with merchants who consider or, or come in considering online and, and like retail two completely different channels. But in this day and age, you, you can't think of them as two different channels because people will come in, start their purchase process in the store and then buy online or vice versa. So to think of them as separate, you're thinking in ways that are, you're not integrating as well as you could for the customer. So things like you can tie in with Amazon and eBay and, and, and Walmart and, and all those other marketplaces. And then all your orders come into Shopify. So you have that one central location to, to yeah. manage those orders rather than having to bounce around all the time. Uh, again, that's part of, we want to try and simplify that, that overall process. Mm -hmm. We're one of the biggest things that I think sets us apart from a lot of our competitors is we are a commerce platform. We were built from the ground up to sell stuff. Whereas a lot of our competitors were website builders that added e-commerce functionality after the fact. So that right there, their thought process and what they were focusing on during the build process was how to build an awesome website. And then how can we sell stuff on that website now yeah. versus how do I run and operate my business and get that online on POS through multi-channels as simply and easily as we can. And that's something that we're trying to do. And even 
now with Shopify Fulfillment Network, uh, we're, we're trying to help with that last portion of being able to kind of compete against Amazon in the two-day shipping market because that is something people have become accustomed to. And mm-hmm. Shopify Fulfillment Network in the U.S. is trying to, to do that and be able to provide our merchants at a reasonable cost the ability to, to do that uh, in the same kind of manner that uh, Amazon customers would expect from you. So, Yeah, that's amazing. Um, yeah, so let's talk about Shopify Plus. So how does it differ from the basic or, you know, plain Shopify? And uh, who, who should use this, uh, you know, Shopify Plus and who shouldn't? What do you think? So Shopify Plus is an enterprise plan. So like you said, we've got our three core plans, the the basic, the Shopify, the advanced plan, and then we've got the Plus plan. Uh, with Plus, you're going to get more than you get on core in a number of ways. Uh, you get access to a couple of different applications that are plus specific. You get access to a couple of APIs that are plus specific. Uh, Also for the APIs, we can adjust uh, your rate on there as well. So if you're doing something like importing and it's going too slow, we can bump up your 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 API for mm-hmm. a couple of days or a week or whatever you need to, to help uh, help process that. Um, you also have access to our launch team and our merchant success team. So uh, throughout the launch phase, you'll have access not only to our plus specialists, but to uh, people like myself. So if the plus specialist can act, answer something or you want to have uh, more of a what's the word I'm looking for, Uh, a strategic conversation uh, about strategy and things to do in the future, then they basically escalate it up to me. After you're actually gone live and launched, I pass you on to the merchant success team. And then in a similar way, they help with uh, growth and scale for the rest of your journey. So if you wanted to, let's say, um, uh, up your email marketing game. Uh, you know, my abandoned cart uh, returns aren't doing that well. We're not, we're not getting enough um, recoveries out of those. What are some things that we could do on that? Our merchant success team can offer suggestions and, and tips on, on how to do that uh, a little bit more effectively. And then, of course, we've got a separate learning portal, um, the uh, Plus, Plus Academy. Uh, so all Plus merchants get access to that. And it's similar to uh, Shopify slash learn, except more enterprise level content, uh, growth scale, um, running larger businesses, uh, stuff like that uh, kind of content in it. Yeah, I think that's amazing that uh, it's a more strategic partnership once somebody upgrades to Plus. And uh, it's more about learning, teaching, exchanging information, not just using the platform. So that's crucial. I have but one. We try and do that on the core platforms as well. You just get less of that direct connection with uh, the launch and the, and the merchant success team, but still tons of great resources to, to help you help out smaller businesses as well. Yeah, I have one more topic today, which is, you know, I already talked to a few people, account managers, different managers from Shopify. And what I really respect there is the culture, especially that how open Shopify is about the entrepreneur and being, you know, an entrepreneur or having a side hustle. And I also know you mentioned before you are quite an entrepreneurial person and you also have your business or businesses and please share those. And also just how, how is the, how is this possible? <laughs> because I, uh, I share this mindset, but many businesses, business owners, they don't like this, that their employees, their people have their own side hustle or business or whatever, or even their podcast. 
And why is that? I think we should clarify on this or, you know, just uh, change people's mind because I don't like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, um, so yeah, uh, my side hustle, uh, I, I sell magic tricks. So not only do I work for Shopify, I am an entrepreneur and a side hustler. So trickyfingers.ca, I sell magic tricks uh, in Canada. Um, actually looking at uh, exiting the business and, and looking to sell. So anybody wants to get into the magic industry in Canada, uh, let me know. Uh, but it's been, it's been fun. I've been running it for about three years. Uh, my main goal there was to, to build uh, a small business that was SEO based. So very driven from SEO. I don't do a lot other than posting new products and sending emails to say, hey, I posted a new product, which in both cases are bad marketing practice. Uh, I know that, but I just don't have the time to put into it to build it up. But it is still mm -hmm. kind of semi running itself and bringing me regular business and um, still still growing uh slowly but uh, exponentially uh, it's it's fantastic um the the culture at shopify around being an entrepreneur i think stems from toby being an entrepreneur and trying to start his own business in a sea of enterprise business back then in the early 2000s and before there was a lot more i think thought process from corporations that you had to be a, a business graduate to run a business. Like you, th these people that were starting up their own side hustles and trying to change things were just a pain in the ass. They weren't going to go anywhere. It, it was just sure they were there, but I don't even consider you competition, but they started changing the game in big ways because those small, tiny little companies started growing big and taking over the world. And there was that big culture shift. But I think particularly in corporate America and corporate Canada, corporate around the world, a lot of that thought process is still around MBA and, and corporate business yeah. structure and a lot less around the startup culture. In the startup culture, you're, you're encouraged to make more mistakes. You're encouraged to, to fail regularly. And I don't think that's a thing in, in the corporate world because they're, they're more about the, the dollar values and, and making the making the money and and increasing the shareholders value. Uh, Shopify is all about increasing the merchant value and and that. So that pushes everybody to do that. And like I said, that encourages people. That makes employees happy. Employees tend to stay where they are when they're happier, when they're paid well. And that's been proven over and over and over again in time, but you still don't see it a lot. I think... Um, I can't remember the CEO's name, but Gravity Payments. He made that huge switch to paying everybody on his payroll, minimum $70,000 US. So you're a secretary, you make $70,000. You're a cleaner, you make $70,000. The turnover rate for his company dropped significantly. The sales incoming volume went up significantly. His employees were happier because they were stressing, us, stressing less on the little things in life. Money doesn't make you happier, but it does make you more comfortable. It can reduce that stress level of, can I pay the bills this week? Can I buy food for my kids? And when people are out of that mindset and can focus and are happy, they're more likely to focus on what, even if they've got that side hustle, they're still going to do what they can for you. And to consider them competing against you or a bad thing to go and do their own thing and to try and squash that creativity, I think is just going to hurt you as a business. Because even if they do spin off, 
making it a bad exit by being like, yeah, they were doing that podcast. So we just got rid of them or they had their side hustle. Like who knows what that will turn into and what that could turn into for your business in the future. Um, There's not enough working together. We need more people working together. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I really agree. And I think big corporates, they think about in in terms of linear growth, you know, like, uh, not not exponential so every quarter every year they want to improve they want really committed people and let's increase next month by or next quarter next year whatever by 10 percent every quarter 10 percent but exponential growth comes from a lot of you know trial trial and error and uh, a lot of failures and maybe you will make mistakes for two years, but then there is a big idea that will work and there is a huge exponential growth. And I think tech companies, good tech companies, uh, Google is famous for this as well. They have internal small teams, internal startups, basically, where they make a lot of, you know, trial and errors and uh, they make mistakes, but one out of 100 or, or you know, a small percentage of projects will work out. And I know this is how Gmail was born. That's just one of the yeah. stories. So and and that's honestly, there are so many examples of amazing things coming out of perceived failures. Uh, one of my favorite, because I used to do a podcast on failure, um, specifically just talking to people in different industries to find out, you know, what's, what's your outlook on failure? What do you consider failure? Because you're successful. So how do you look at that? And pretty much everybody said that it's a learning opportunity. Um, my favorite story to share is that of Gorilla Glass. And if you don't know, that's the glass that's on the front of your phones. That was created by accident in the 70s. Um, the Corningware company that creates all the Corningware glass guy was working on some stuff, didn't realize that his pressure gauge was broken, which when he pulled something out of the, the, the heated vat, it slipped out of the tongs and instead of shattering, it bounced. So he inadvertently created this incredibly strong glass, but in the seventies, nobody wanted it because there wasn't any use for a super strong glass. Like they thought, Oh, well we can put it in cars. Well, great idea. Except when somebody hits the window, they die because it doesn't shatter and you know, do do that kind of stuff. So it just sat on a shelf basically until Steve Jobs came knocking and like, I need some really strong, really thin glass. So they pulled that off the shelf, worked on it a bit to help make it as thin as possible. And Gorilla Glass was born and has, that's a whole new industry that was developed off of an accident from the seventies that sat on a shelf. But that's again, just one example of a failure or a perceived failure that made billions of dollars after the fact. So change your perceptions on what you think that failure is because it may be a failure and it may just end up sitting there, but it might end up doing something still in the future. So it's not necessarily a failure. Just learn from it, grow from it, and you might get to come back. Yeah. And the other thing is you never know how things will connect in the future. So maybe you have a failure and, and you think it's a failure, but maybe five, 10 years later, your learnings from that failure will be crucial and you will benefit from them. So, yeah, I think that's that's crucial. 100%. Problem. What is the name of this podcast that you mentioned about failure? Uh, failure TV. Uh, it's on Anchor still. Um, there's 19 episodes, but if you just search Failure TV and my name, Cray, uh, mm-hmm. it should come right up. Uh, it's available on both Anchor in audio form and on YouTube's still in video form because i recorded uh, i did i did it all live and then uh, uploaded the the audio after yeah 
pretty cool. I, I will check it out and we will put the link into the description as well. So people can yeah. find it. And uh, thanks for coming here today, Cray, and sharing these in insightful stories and, and uh, sure. you know, all of your knowledge. And thanks everyone who listened to us today or uh, later if you listen to the podcast. Every week we come with two episodes now. We just doubled the number of podcast episodes. And uh, thanks again. Have a great day, everyone, and stay tuned. Thank you.